Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on. Friday edition. Sixth and Peabody packed with visitors downtown. Glad you're with us as well. Across the Outkick network, which includes Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, podcasts, wherever you download your podcast. Check us out there if you missed a portion of hour number one. And we say hello to Fox Sports Shoals, uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, uh, Florence, we say hello everyone listening there. Fox Sports Knoxville, our first partner across the Outkick Network. You always remember your first. And a shout out to the Upper Cumberland Sports Radio 104.7, uh, carrying us live on this Friday afternoon for the drive home or getting ready for the drive home. We'll get you through your workday faster. Uh, NFL Week 14 includes Tampa Bay hosting Buffalo. Massive game for the Bills. Uh, as they try to get back on track after just being torched through the run game by New England. The good news is this is going to be great weather. <laughs> and it's it's weird to say that about a Buffalo team. It's going to be great weather on the road down in Tampa. They're going to be able to throw the ball around the yard. And that's what Josh Allen and company want to do because they can't run it. It's also hard to run the football against the Bucks defense. You can throw it, though. Sounds like Richard Sherman is going to play. He's been activated. So he, yeah, if he's been activated, it sounds like he's going to play Sunday. But um, Armando said yesterday, and I, I agree with him, he thinks this is the highest scoring game of the week in a shootout. It's hard to look past uh, that element of this because of Allen and Brady and the receiving options in this game. Can't wait to sit down and watch this. This is the 325 kickoff nationally um, on Sunday afternoon. Chad always makes that his appointment viewing. Absolutely, and it feels like a real pivot point for the Bills uh, right now. I mean, 7-6, and six, if they don't get this done uh, this Sunday, they're in a rough spot. Uh, they still have games left with the Jets, uh, the Panthers, and I'm missing one other game that's a layup for them that should be a layup. Either way. Probably. Atlanta, maybe? Jets? Maybe Atlanta? I know they yeah, have I'll the Jets left. Uh, they have the Jets, Carolina, and there's one other that they should win that's left on the schedule. Falcons. There you go, Atlanta. So the, if they get those three, they're probably still in a, in a decent ten, spot ten just wins. with those. You're doing fine in the AFC if you win but, 10 games. For sure. But you don't – I mean – Seven and six is not a spot they want to be in no. after this weekend. They're not um, trending well right now. They're not playing well right now. No, not and, at all. And it's concerning. And Hutton's been harping on this for a while. They're not built for the playoffs right now. They don't run well. There's no reason to envision them running well. Their backs aren't good. Um, I mean, they're blocking. I mean, it's not just the backs. I mean, if you give Singletary, Moss, or Breed a room, I mean, they're not great backs, but they're good enough to take advantage of consistent holes to get four yards of carry. And they're not giving them holes for four yards of care. As good as Tampa is, though, I think their strengths don't match up well against Buffalo. They only allow 84 yards per game rushing. That's tied for first on the on the dot with Baltimore. 
uh, Baltimore's defense and Tampa's defense tops against the run. Buffalo can't run it anyway. Yeah, so yeah, I mean that that's where they're going abandon to abandon the run game. I mean, if you're Buffalo, which don't Buffalo's even worry pretty about good it. at, like that's what they did last year. They didn't really try that much to run it. Yeah, pool Tampa's 20th against the pass. What Alabama did against Georgia and said, "Oh, you're good against the run. Well, we'll just throw it every time." That needs to be Buffalo's game plan in this one, and the opposite game plan of what New England just did to Buffalo. Right. <laughs> we'll just run it every single play, and we'll win a low-scoring game that way. Battle of the quarterbacks there should be a, a, a lot of fun uh, on Sunday afternoon. Mention the Ravens and the Browns. Baltimore ranks 31st against the pass. Do you guys trust Baker Mayfield to take advantage of that? They're 31st against the pass, and they're down another player, Marlon Humphrey, out for the year now. No, I don't, because I still don't think Baker Mayfield is healthy. Uh, I mean, it, I, I would have full faith in Baker Mayfield against a bad secondary to get it done and, and score points and get the ball moving through the air. But, I mean, Baker Mayfield, he's having a hard time walking on the sideline here recently. Yeah. He's just not it, – it's hard to even assess what the Browns should do ultimately with Baker Mayfield because he's been bad. But also, I don't think he should, he should be playing. I, I understand the whole if you get a quarterback that's your franchise quarterback at 55 or 60%, Many times that's better than the backup option at 100%. I don't know that that's the case right now with Baker Mayfield and what he's doing for the Browns. I trust him in this way. I trust him to hit some plays. I don't know if I trust him like to have – I don't trust him to throw for 300 yards, but I trust him to hit some plays to level out the the game. Now, I don't know if that wins him the game or not. I I told you I was surprised to see them favored. Um, And – and I, I'd be surprised if Cleveland wins, but I think they should be in it. And if they hit those plays and those plays happen to be into the end zone instead of, you know, to the red zone or, you know, to get out of deep in their territory. Believe it or not. The shape of the game could, could give I mean, them a win. They're 6-6. Six and six. They, I mean, they are right there on the wild card bubble. Uh, as with five games and to play. And they're really talented. It's just that the quarterback's the wrong guy to have dinged up, obviously. That's an obvious well, statement. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that game because I, I think Baltimore, there's there's pressure on them to come out and, and make a, a have a statement win. Pittsburgh felt that last week against Baltimore. And then the quick turnaround against Minnesota, we saw what happened. But I, I bet on the Steelers last week because I just did not see a Tomlin team laying down to Baltimore just like I don't see this Harbaugh team laying down to Cleveland on the road. I think the I think they get back on track offensively with Lamar Jackson. And and it wasn't too long ago they had Clowney and everyone like laughing because they were getting pressure on Jackson. This was 3 or 4 weeks ago. And after a play, after a first down run where they had him in the grasp and he's breaking free, they're laughing because they just couldn't contain him as as best they could. And as best they tried. But people are blitzing him with great effect. And Baltimore's counter to that has been very slow arriving and ineffective. I don't understand how over a period of weeks you don't figure out something Did, when people are sending they, both they just, safeties. He was off the mark just by inches throughout the entire game last week to Mark Andrews. Yes. I, I think they get that back on track this and week. And they got to do better hot, right? If you're yeah. coming with some safeties, yep. he's got to – how does he not better at that at this stage – that's systemic. Well, that's a him problem and a systemic. Let problem. me tell you guys the the problem with the Ravens. Do you buy that it's difficult to buy the Ravens 
because they're so dependent on what Lamar Jackson does and him playing really well. And I know you can say that about every NFL team. Boy, they're really dependent on the quarterback playing well, but he's so exceptional. And I mean that by he's the exception. What he does is very different than the rest of the league with the run game. But this he's year, one of the top five leading rushers but this year, in the NFL about, right now also. It's not all about that, though, with him this year. This year, I mean, two weeks ago, he was the NFL leader in yards per pass. Average. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is throwing, on average, four and a half yards per pass. He was throwing nearly 10. Yeah. Lamar I have difficulty. Why buy, aren't they though, better if I'm they're not, And I'm not that. saying he can't pass, but I'm saying, do you buy that it's more difficult to buy into them because... If you figure it out to any extent, it's different than stopping most other quarterbacks in the league. Now, granted, when he's on fire, it's very different in stopping him, too, because he's doing things with his, with his feet that no one else in the league can do. Well, I have trouble buying into them because when you say that, Hutton, then I think they should be better. Harbaugh is a really good coach. Uh, Jackson, I don't love, but he's good when he's good, and he's not been good enough. They've lost a lot, and I think it's caught up to them eventually the same way it has to the Titans. And I think maybe they're running out of some steam now. Without Humphreys, um, I, I just I mean, they think maybe it catches up They to haven't them. scored more than 20 points offensively in over a month. I mean, they've really tailed off. They put up 34 against the Chargers in that blowout home win. 34-6 to was the final score. That was November 7th. Since then, they've put up 17 no, excuse me, 10, 16, 16, 19. And so, look, you, you, we're talking now about doubts about the Ravens. We yeah. just finished talking about doubts about um, Buffalo, right? I know the feeling about Kansas City is on the upswing, but we've talked about Kansas City's doing it in a different way and very defensively. Mahomes is not playing lights out by any means. They host the Raiders this week. We've got a lot of reasons for doubts about Tennessee that we're seeing up close here without Derrick Henry, with Tannehill not, not playing great. We just listed four of the, the, the four division leaders, and, and we're kind of down on all of them. So we keep talking, you know, AFC parity is interesting and everything. But if we lay out right now the AFC playoff picture as it would be right now. Patriots have the number one seed. Yeah, so Patriots are off. Titans against Bills, you have a strong feeling in that one? Ravens against Bengals, you have a strong feeling on that one? Chiefs against Chargers, you have a strong feeling on that one? I mean, there's nobody to love right now. I, I like the Bengals and the Chargers better than I like the Ravens. I don't know about the Chiefs, but... I like some of the wildcard teams better somehow than I like the division leaders. Well, I, but which teams could control the pace? Baltimore can control the pace of a game. Yeah, because I gave I gave you their scores, but it's not like they're allowing points. These I feel are, like the Chargers can games. control the pace. And I don't know how that is when they allow a lot of run yards. It, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. But I told you, Her- Herbert, the last two weeks, is thrown for oh, yeah. 338 and 337. That'll control the pace for you. That's not catch-up yards late. So uh, Ravens, they, they put up 10 points. Uh, Miami put up 22. That was the Thursday night football game. Uh, they beat the Bears 16-13 uh, with a backup quarterback, I might add. Uh, Ravens win over the Browns 16-10. to uh, Steelers beat the Ravens 20-19. to We know how that game ended last Sunday. Now they get the Browns again on the road in Cleveland. Point being, they can run the football and they can stop the run. 
Baltimore can. And they're, to me, they are built for the postseason. Um, they've got to get there health-wise, just like the Titans. Like, there are a lot of question marks about whether or not their depth is going to hold up and, or, or it's going to play to their detriment. And they very, they're making the postseason. The question is, are they hosting the game or are they on the road? I'd, I'd agree with built for the postseason, but I think it's a little uglier than they'd like oh, it. Oh, for sure. Like but I don't, I don't know if there's a team that's not yeah, – that, that feels like they're they're all set right now. I'm really conflicted about that. I like the the parody. I like the unknown, but I don't know if it's. Uh, I think the, the team increasingly <laughs> that I'm good. not conflicted about is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. If interesting, is not uh, playing very well. Interesting matchup this week as they host the Raiders. I don't think they'll have a problem with them. Darren Waller is out. That's a main reason yeah, why. Um, but the, the Raiders come in at six and six. They come in, they have lost four of their last five games. And at six and six, they're a game behind the Colts um, for the battling for the final wildcard spot. Indy's seven and six, they're the eight seed. They're the first team out right now. Vegas is at six and six, and they're the nine seed uh, chasing. What a win would that would be a massive win. That would hit the hit the Chiefs off the the path that they've been on, and it would be a road victory for Vegas that not many are getting right now, and that's a win in Kansas City. I'll tell you City. what, if the Colts come out of their bye this weekend and win, I don't know where that game is next weekend if it's in Indy. I think it's in Indy. I think Doc has said the, the Patriots were coming. It is. It's hit. at Indy. I mean, the Colts win that game. You know, I, I still don't think they're catching the Titans winning the division. I don't think that the, the, that magic number three is just too small. But the Colts could go into the playoffs with some momentum and be a team you don't necessarily want want to see with their run game. And the Chargers, like if if we're if we're in if we're in LA right now and you're a Chargers fan, this you got to go win against the Giants. The Giants are not going to have Daniel Jones. They're not a good team even with Daniel Jones. Um, it sounds like Mike Glennon's going to be the starting quarterback, not Jake. What's Fromm. his injury, Glennon? Glennon had a concussion. Is it uh, funny that it's I been really, think it's a bad one? Like I think he's finally going to clear concussion protocol today. Uh, is it funny that I think his injury is always a neck injury because he has that big long yeah, neck? He does. You also think Davis Mills is out with neck injuries all the time? I'm not as familiar with his neck, though. You've discussed it it's pretty long, thoroughly. But it's a long. I, I, it's a when long Mike Glennon thick is neck. hurt, I think oh something's wrong with that big long neck. It's like a giraffe. If a giraffe has an injury, I think, uh, presuming it's, like it's a neck players, injury because you, there's so much size, neck. Average size neck, he's like 6'3", but with the neck that he has, he's 6'5". Yes. Yeah. Maybe even 6'7". They may be going <laughs> shorter than he actually like is. If I, if I work at the zoo, and I'm a, I'm a veterinarian at the zoo, and they're like, hey, you got to come over to the giraffe pen. There's an injury <laughs> over here. I'd be disappointed if it was like an a, a elbow injury on the giraffe. Every right. time Glennon gets tackled, you're screaming, just don't hurt your neck. You get worried that he's going to hurt his neck every time he gets hit. Right. I would have been that the same. going to get hurt. I would have been the same with Merton Hanks. That neck like, is vulnerable. Stay away from his neck. The neck is vulnerable. The extent of Paul's uh, knowledge of giraffe anatomy <laughs> begins neck. and ends neck. with neck because he just said <laughs> thinks they have elbows as well. <laughs> well, they have arms. No, they don't. Those are legs, Paul. <laughs> Do they, they don't have they arms. Don't have Do you even know what a giraffe well, they have four is? Legs. They have four front legs. Front legs, back legs. Yeah, the joint are... on the front legs, I would call an elbow. You would you call that a, uh, knee. a you knee. You wouldn't call that, a that knee. That was really dumb. Those I, are I, I, I can see <laughs> that right Did you hear Paul said, I would Giraffes, call it an elbow? A giraffe, a giraffe has yeah, arms. Give me the camera. And I would call it an elbow. Give me the camera. Jacob, are you here, buddy? It's not Jacob. What are we asleep over there, Molten? Are we playing Minecraft? 
He's looking at a picture of a giraffe. Yeah, he's making Listen. sure. He's like, are you sure they're not elbows? All right, everyone be quiet for a minute. Earlier today in an unfortunate episode, I referred to a giraffe as having elbows. This was one of the two very stupid things I said this week. We may cover the other one later. A giraffe clearly has four legs, and the joint on his front legs would be, in fact, a knee, not an elbow. We uh, at Outkick 360 all apologize for it, but uh, particularly me, since I'm the one that said it. We now return to our regularly scheduled program. By the way, I love giraffes. They're one of my favorite animals, so it's particularly bad faux pas. I apologize for nothing this week. I just want to go on the record now. The camera's on me. I apologize for nothing. Paul's apologies for himself. Outkick 360, not involved in this apology. I apologize for nothing. As I said. I just want to be clear. I apologize on my behalf, and I apologize for the entire show. The giraffe, Mike Glennon, will uh, face <laughs> face the Chargers, it sounds like, this weekend. Is he, he nicknamed clears, the giraffe? Because he if he's not. clears concussion protocol. That should take off. I think he should be hereby Nick called the giraffe. Giants, by the way, one touchdown in the last 22 offensive oh, possessions. That's what God. you want to see Brutal. That's what Brutal. you want to see. Yeah. Coming up, their defensive team. college football analysis and discussion with Bobby Carpenter. Time to chat about the coaching movement over the last week. Bobby Carpenter of Outkick joins us next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. Yeehaw beer. An old smoky moonshine, big event that's going to be taking place later this month. We will announce that and welcome you to Nashville. That's coming up on Monday. We'll lay that out there. Really excited about it. Um, details on everything Monday, mainly just so we can get everything organized, Chad. Yeah. Everything's set, but there's a bowl game we in town. We want to make sure that we have all of our bases covered before putting promotional that's right. material that's out right. there into the world. And we will be putting all of it out into the world on Monday. Heisman will be announced tomorrow evening. Uh, Bobby Carpenter joins us, Outkick.com, uh, college football analyst. You can uh, watch his work on the YouTube channel through Outkick as well, the college football YouTube channel for Outkick. Just search him out there. Uh, and he joins us weekly here on the show. Bobby, hope you're doing well, man. I'm doing great, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, always my favorite part of every Friday. Hey, man, love having you. Chad says that he's begun to watch your workout videos, which we find disturbing. Well, are, are I mean, you or are you not shirtless in these? I videos? don't. I don't seek them out, Paul. It have it, uh, on the stories on the top of Instagram. You roll through them. It crashes and I see into Bobby them. working out at times. The story's just, beginning. I, the story's beginning to crack. I commented shirtless on the, the, or not shirtless, on them. pantless or not pantless. <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess what's your definition of, you know, pants? I mean, I wear tights sometimes. Sometimes I wear the shorts with them. A lot of times if I'm just in my own uh, little workout area of my house or workout room, like I'm not going to put shorts on over the tights. It's just something else I've got to wash. So why waste the time there? <laughs> I typically am going to wear a shirt, though, usually because my wife gets upset if I get stuff sweaty and don't wipe it down. Well, Chad has a request about that. If you could start not not dirtying your shirt. No, look, I, I, Bobby, I was the first to say, this is a family Instagram feed that you're putting out there, so you always have a shirt on. You always have pants on while working out. <laughs> He'd like you uh, to start a non-family really non He wants feed. an OnlyFans account for you. <laughs> yeah. Why are you moving this thing to OnlyFans? Oh, gosh. I Only didn't say fans. that. Hey, That's the when, so uh, speaking of uh, uh, family-friendly, when, that's the Heisman Trophy presentation tomorrow night on ESPN. When did we go from the Heisman 
being like must watch television, at least for me, being a to tweet. to being something that I'll just watch on a Twitter clip after the fact. Like I have no interest in tuning in to find out. Uh, 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 with all the hype, I feel like we know who's going to win. Even last year when we didn't really know who was going to win, I wanted to find out after it was announced. I didn't care about the the lead up to it. Do, do you agree? Disagree? And why don't we care as much anymore? Gosh, that's it's an amazing thought. This year I was thinking, okay, it's just pretty much because it's kind of a foregone conclusion. And I guess I used to always sit down and I you know consume a ton of the award shows as well leading in. And so this year, you know, I I probably have been a little more laxed on that. And because that's, I think, part of how society is. I mean, we're a microwave society. We want instant gratification. I don't want to sit here and watch you know, a half hour or hour award show when someone can just spit me this stuff on Twitter or Instagram, whatever social media feed. I can see the list. I can complain about it. I can hear people's comments on it. I think that's kind of where we've just evolved as a society. And for you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, I, I think that's just kind of where we're at. And tonight only exacerbates it, the fact that you have to bet like $5.5 million to win $0.10 cents, uh, for Bryce Young. Like the odds are already fixed in his favor. If you wanted to get any value, you would probably have to do it by the halftime of the SEC championship game. So, you know, there's a pageantry to it. I think it's great that these guys get to go there. You know, you've got Aiden Hutchinson, defensive guy. That's awesome. I love seeing that. You know, CJ Stroud of Ohio State, Kenny Pickett. Like, but I think the rest of those three, they understand that, you know, they don't have a realistic shot to win. The votes are already cast and they're just going to go there and enjoy the experience. And so maybe that's it. But as far as the award shows, like, I don't really watch a whole lot of any award shows anymore. Maybe that's because I don't care much about Hollywood and, and that's where most of that stuff comes. I, I'll watch the CMAs because that's, that's, I find yeah. enjoyable. But, Outside of that, I think we've kind of moved on as a society from sitting there watching people clap and other people come up and give speeches. Why can't I just sit there and watch my Twitter feed and see the speeches that I actually want to see and then go do something else? Hey, you know, on Monday, I, I, I said I was a bit surprised that Kenneth Walker wasn't a finalist. And and I get he's been on some big platforms this year. In some cases, he rose to the occasion. In other cases, he's a non-factor and he was injured and didn't finish games, whatever it might be. Um but he's the Walker Camp winner, which is goes to the most outstanding college football player. But he's not a finalist of the four headed to New York for the Heisman. Are you surprised to know, just knowing what we know now, hindsight, that he's the Walker Camp winner, but he's not a Heisman finalist? Yeah, that was interesting because um, sometimes you, you kind of viewed that as a consolation award that someone would win that if they weren't going to win the Heisman Trophy. But they were always there. It, it wasn't like it was someone who was coming out of nowhere. You know, you mentioned Kenneth Walker the third. I think you know part of it, his thing with the Heisman is those Heisman moments. He had a great one early against Michigan, and then the recency bias gets you. You know, against Ohio State, you watched him you know get injured, and not really put together much of a game, and then you have Bryce Young who played really well. But I, I don't understand then where that massive disconnect is, where people just kind of looked at this and said, "Okay, we know Bryce Young's going to win the Heisman," and so maybe they looked around and said, "Hey, who else is out there? You know, there's really no other elite quarterbacks." Who's the next best player? Kenneth Walker III. Maybe he he's the guy that you can kind of plug into that box and use him. And he had a good game and maybe didn't finish quite as well as maybe we would have liked to. But I guess that maybe he's just the next guy on the list. I, I for the life of me, couldn't figure that out. And when I saw that happen, I it was really a head-scratcher because I, I think he's, what, finished sixth in the Heisman Trophy voting? Yes. He's not going to be there tonight. And the fact that you could have someone being sixth and then 
be what quote the, the player of the year for the Walter Camp Award. That that just seems totally disconnected to me. Bobby, we're gonna see how good you are at your job right now. You are an <laughs> Ohio State guy. I want you as an analyst to sell me on Aiden Hutchinson for the Heisman and sell me on Michigan beating Georgia and how all both those things are gonna wow. happen and why they should happen. Well, Aiden Hutchinson for the Heisman, I can't make a conscious effort to sell you that because as a defensive player, you really don't have a shot. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like he might end up having the second most votes, but there will be a massive disparity between him and Bryce Young just because you know he played defense. He didn't really have any touchdowns. You know, he, he had some nice sacks. He had dominated games and had unbelievable performances, you know, especially against Ohio State, and then played really well in the Big Ten Championship. So he has those two memorable moments. He was on a team that I think ex- exceeded expectations when you look at the fact that Michigan wasn't even ranked. And so that's going to get him close. Like, I can't sell you on something. I can't sell you a bill of goods on this, folks. Like, I'm not going to sell you a pie right and tell you it's gold. As far as Michigan beating Georgia, I would argue you could argue that either Michigan or Utah, maybe the two hottest teams in college football with the last couple of games they played. Bama played really good against Georgia, and they had a great, you know, final couple of minutes against Auburn, you know, but they've been up and down this year. Whereas, you know, Michigan and Utah have really been building here through the final three, four weeks, and especially Michigan. Now, you watched Bama beat Georgia and what they did, throwing the ball, pushing it down the field. That's not Michigan's game. And so I think it's kind of, it's really a bad matchup for Michigan with what Georgia's great at, which is their front seven stopping the run. And then that's what Michigan loves to do is dominate the game with that physical rushing attack. It's going to be a little bit of a clash of the Titans. We'll see how good Michigan's rushing attack is a lot of it. You know, as we talk about, you know, the awards, uh, Josh Gaddish winning the Broyles award, their offensive coordinator. I want to see how creative he can be. Can he do a little bit of what Bama did where, Hey, we're going to get this thing going real laterally. We're going to wear out their big fellas inside and we're going to get them off the field. We're going to try to be able to sustain some of these longer drives and see if we can have some issues. Then we'll hit them with some play action, get them with some screens you know, we'll be able to get, you know, use some of our different players, Donovan Murphy, get him in there, see what he's able to do and just really utilize a lot of that and then bludgeon him down the middle of the field and see if we can attack him that way. That's going to be his challenge. And, you know, if you're getting the assistant coach of the year award, you know what, then there's going to be expectations for him to be able to deliver. I don't love the matchup for Michigan. I think they have a chance at winning. I think there's a a, a realistic shot, but it's, it's going to take a pretty, pretty perfect effort for them to be able to get that done because I don't think there's a huge margin for them on either side. So Tony Elliott finally says yes to a head coaching opportunity and it's Virginia. He turned down Tennessee. He's turned down opportunities at South Carolina, some other places uh, in the in the recent past. What do you think about Tony Elliott to Virginia and now you've got Clemson left without a defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator for the first time in a long time. And a, a new and a new AD coming in. That's you know, right. Internal, yeah. internal promotion to Miami. So, you know, Dabo Sweeney. He's sitting there, and I know we've all seen the Will Smith gif at the end of Fresh Prince, looking around like he, he's the only dude left. And so he's going to have to figure this out, Dabo Sweeney. That is, you know, building this thing up together and trying to figure out how to do it, especially with the ACC being at a little bit of a disadvantage relative to the SEC and Big Ten and TV dollars, which is going to be driving all of this with coaching salaries and. uh uh, coaching salaries and facilities and just what you're going to be able to do for your players. So ACC, a little bit of a dif- disadvantage, Tony Elliott taking that job. If you look at Virginia, 
I don't think there's quite the pressure to win there. The expectation, the coaches are, are do a, if they're smart, they do a good job of understanding where they're going and what your expectations are versus what your commitment level is. Virginia doesn't have crazy high expectations. You look at their coaches. I mean, they don't typically fire guys every two or three years. Some of these guys have these decent runs where they're there at least five, six, seven years. You go into the SEC, you know, there's a chance you go to Tennessee, you might be there two years and get churned out because if you're not producing, they're going to get rid of you. And, hey, we don't care. We're going to pay a buyout, and then you're going to be starting your coaching career off like trying to figure out where you fit in again. And so Tony Elliott taking this job, a little bit less stress, not as high expectations. You know, this year they kind of underperformed. I guess he feels like this is probably a good time for him to go. And, you know, as the details for the salary and all these things come out, I mean, this is this is the time. If you're going to be a, an assistant going for a head coaching job, I mean, this is the market for it because it is incredibly bountiful, these contracts that are getting handed out. Bobby Carpenter, our guest from Outkick.com. Chip Kelly taking over in or- or- uh, Oregon in 2009 is a lot different than him taking over in Oregon uh, late 20. 20- 21 if that in fact is what is about to happen if he's the guy there what does it say about the program to you i think it says that they want to win and it's i always find it interesting you know when when schools circle back and hire someone that has already left them and this is something that's been unprecedented this year where you know you saw oklahoma's coach leave you saw notre dame's coach leave not go to the nfl or not retire but then go to another blue blood program. Cause those programs probably felt like we're the prettiest girl at the dance. No one's leaving us. So once they leave, like it's a little bit rough. You think about Oregon, you know, since Mike Bellotti had chip Kelly, obviously he was there for four years, but then you had Helfrich, you had Taggart. I mean, now you've got Cristobal, like the last two guys have left relatively quickly. I think they want to get someone there that they're comfortable with who they know can have success Chip has done those things. He's already had his stab at the NFL. I guarantee you, if he's going back there, there's going to be conversations of, hey, have you had your fill with the NFL? Because Oregon, you know, they may not have that proud history, but they're the best thing going right now on the West Coast. They've been doing a great job. They have, they're going to pour all the money into everything you need with coaching salaries, facilities, heck, NIL deals with Nike. Like, they're the one school on the West Coast that's positioned to really be able to take advantage of this in a way where not at other schools can. The California state schools, they don't have any money to spend. They got terrible TV deals. Their, their universities are set up in a way where they tell you they care about athletics, especially football. But like I said, you go back to your expectations, which are here, their commitment level, it's, it's way down at the bottom. No one really cares. And at Oregon, they do. They fill up their stadium. They're going to pour money behind it. If I'm Chip Kelly, I think this is a great job. I would love to see him stay at UCLA. But as far as the resources he's going to have, what he'll be able to do, maybe he'll be able to finish what he started and ultimately win that national championship that he left. Does he beat Ohio State if he's there instead of Mark Helfrich? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I guarantee you he gives you them a better opportunity to get that done. So if I'm Chip Kelly, I'm, I'm going there as soon as they can ask me. And if I'm Oregon, I don't frankly see someone better who you could get to come there, who you would feel comfortable with, who you would understand, and who wouldn't leave for another college job or even the NFL, because I think that they're probably sick of looking at you know their fifth head coach in, what, 10, 11 years. So circling back to what you said about the California system's commitment to, to football, where's that leave UCLA, especially against USC, which just hit a home run? 
the USC hit a home run with Lincoln Riley. They brought him in, but they, they still have to, they're playing in the Coliseum. They still have to find a way to get people there. And so they can talk about making this the Mecca of football and, you know, the quote that Lincoln Riley had to his players and some things, but it's not the Mecca until you can start filling that thing up. And it's a massive building. It's not really designed for football and everybody understands that. But if you can't get it to where Pete Carroll was, it's not going to be the Mecca. You know, UCLA, they, they play in the Rose Bowl and it's beautiful, but it's a long way from campus. You know, they were trying to get a deal done with SoFi. And I think Chip Kelly was you know hoping that they could maybe get that done. And then they, you know, all of a sudden they're back at the Rose Bowl and it's great and it's a historic venue, but you can't get people with these games. That's the problem. No elite recruits, they can say it, but then when you bring them there, it's like, hey, I put guys in the NFL. Okay, that's great. But so do these other schools. And I'm going to go play in front of 90,000 people. And yeah, there might be some NIL money and yeah, it's LA and it's a big city and there's that. But like, is there any fan passion? Do people really care? Is it setting you up for success? You know, we remember and look at this, you know, with, with Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell running around and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and Carson Palmer, like the young kids, like that was 20 years ago. They, they don't have any rec- uh, recognition of that. They don't remember any of that. And so Lincoln Riley, he still has his work cut out for him a little bit. And the UCLA program definitely has their work cut out for him if Chip Kelly leaves. Well, and Chip Kelly's not leaving because this is breaking news from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator at Georgia, is now Oregon's new head coach. Wow. Expected to be announced on Monday. Uh, Dan Lanning is – or excuse me. Yeah, Lanning is a graduate – of William Jewell College in Missouri. He's only been at Georgia since uh, 2018. Uh, he held the defensive coordinator position at Texas where he made $1.7 million as defensive coordinator there. Again, a young guy, Dan Lanning, leaving Georgia as defensive coordinator to become the new head coach at Oregon. Kalani Sataki also staying put. BYU announcing about 30 minutes ago, Bobby, that they have agreed to an unprecedented contract with Kalani Sataki that keeps him in Provo through 2027. When you look now at the stability at head coach with BYU, he's 21-3 and over the last two seasons there. They're getting set to move to the Big 12 very soon. What do you think about that BYU program led by Kalani Sataki and the possibilities there for a program that's won a national title in the past? They've won a national title. They've had a Heisman Trophy winner. Sataki's done a great job. With that, I mean, it's been very, very impressive with how he's been able to produce talent. And here's the other thing they're always going to have. You know, they're going to have a more veteran team than everyone else they play. They get guys, they go on a mission, they come back, they're playing with 24, 25-year-olds. That's not a knock That's just the reality. And they're playing with men. And so now they're going to be going to the Big 12. It's a national brand. If you're a little bit older, you remember that. There's something big and important about BYU. I think they're going to be a, a serious force in the Big 12. I, I think them and Cincinnati coming in there, you know, as long as Luke Fickle stays at Cincinnati, I think that's going to go a long way to you know, them with probably Baylor and maybe uh, Oklahoma State. Those will be the four that will kind of be shaping the power structure, I believe, within the Big 12. Now, what's interesting with Oregon you know, hiring Lanning, you know, unless he has ties to the West Coach, I, I'm curious to see – like how long he stays there. It's a great job. They're going to have tons of money. It's the facilities. But gentlemen, I don't know if you guys have ever been out there. If you're not a West Coast guy, like Seattle, Portland, Oregon, like Eugene, like California, I love to go there and visit. You know, my wife and I, we've been to Napa a couple of times. Like I've gone to LA a little bit. We used to have training camp, you know, out there when I was playing for the Cowboys and Oxnard. Like it's cool to go there. I would not want to live there. 
And that's what I feel like some of these guys, you know, the, the Willie Taggers to go there, the Mario Cristobal is like, hey, I have everything I need out here on the West Coast, except this isn't really where I want to be. I'm like light years away from all my family and friends and everything else and just the living situation and just people are a little different out there. And not that that's a bad thing. I'm not going to sit here and besmirch it, but it's just a very unique situation. So for them to hire another guy who isn't really a West Coaster, that's a little bit intriguing to me. Yeah, he's from Kansas City. He's 35 years old. I mean, his rise has been quick. He was a GA at Arizona State for a couple of years. That's as close as he got to Oregon. He coached at Pittsburgh. He coached high school football uh, in, in Texas. He was at Alabama as a GA, Memphis for two years, and then Georgia just since 2018. So fast rising star for, for Dan Lanning, but no real ties at all to the Pacific Northwest. He's, he's really, if you had to pin it down, a, a Midwest guy that became a Southeast guy. He nearly got the Kansas job, but yeah. Lance, Lance Leopold got that. Good for him, then. Good. I mean, you know what? There's some things, you know, you always say, you know, God's got a plan for you. There's some jobs you're better, you're, you're happy that you didn't get, just like you're happy you didn't step in, step in a bear trap every now and then. So yeah. Kansas versus Oregon, I don't even know if that's really comparable as far as the resources in the GSF, the give a crap factor with everything. They, they do. Oregon loves their football now. I mean, they, they pack that stadium. They're one of the few places that actually does on the West Coast. You've got Nike, you've got everything else. I'm just curious to see if after three or four years, and let's say, you know, Georgia opens back up or one of these other big time jobs on the Eastern seaboard or East of the Mississippi, even East of the Rockies, heck, if he doesn't want to take one of those and say, Hey, I want to get back to more of like civilization football, because as, as we look at this, look at the four teams in the playoff, look at the four Heisman trophy candidates. You know, you got Kenneth Walker, the third and six, like, they're all from the Midwest, Southeastern, like maybe Plains a little bit. Like football has a hard time being relevant nationally on the West Coast. And so we'll see if he's able to change that. Well, I mean, and maybe credit to Oregon, maybe not. We'll find out. But they they got into a room and they simply said, we're going to go hire a ball coach. That's what they've done. A young ball coach. They didn't break the bank. There's been stupid money floating around over the last month in college football. And Oregon, it ends with Oregon. Of all of, of all the Nike money and Phil Knight and everyone, it ends with Oregon because there's no way this guy's getting the money that we've seen float around there over the last. Two Instead weeks. of hiring a star, they're saying we're hiring the next star. Right. We're creating a star with this coach, and we believe in him that he's going to be the next Lincoln Riley, hot shot young head coach in college football. And time will tell if if they're right or wrong with that approach. And they they go outside. Normally they they promote from within Bobby at Oregon, and they go outside the they go what way outside Oregon well, to find him. Except for the last two coaches they hired that left them. Well, again, pretty Cristobal was the yeah. offensive coordinator prior to getting the gig uh, at, at yeah, Oregon. Right. You hope he stays for them. Yeah, if he works, Bobby. Thank you as always. We'll catch up next Good week. To see you. Absolutely. And I'm excited to hear about this announcement, guys, because I'd like to be down here for this. You know, I, I enjoy bourbon. I enjoy Nashville. All the things that you Let's were go. talking about earlier, that's stuff that really fits right in my wheelhouse. So I'm going to be looking for my invitation in the mail. Well, maybe well, you could have a private workout with Chad when yeah. you're down here. Uh, become be my personal trainer, uh, Bobby, please. Uh, to take, to take that. It's going to be a tough job for you, but please do it. Go ahead and mark the calendar. Oh, December 30th, uh, Tennessee happens to play Purdue that day in the Music City Bowl, and there's a big event that's going to be taking place. We'll have details on Monday. Big, big event. I like it. I might, I'll be there. All right. Bobby, good to see you, man.
Good to see you. Follow Bobby Carpenter on Twitter at bcarp3. Coming up, uh, speaking of Georgia, what Georgia radio hosts and media members and fans are saying about what happened this past Saturday leading into the college football playoff, trying to talk themselves off the ledge. That's next on OutKick 360. So would you like to hear what they're chatting about on Atlanta radio? OutKick 360 rolls on. I just love Atlanta Even if you don't want to hear about it, we're about to tell you. (laughs) Paul hates all things Atlanta, and that also covers sports talk radio in Atlanta. Well, they're covering Georgia. They're playing the hits in Atlanta, and right now it's the Georgia Bulldogs with a win or a loss from this past weekend. So that what, the, what, the, the message that's being sent through the hosts, for the most part, on average here, uh, I'm lumping everyone in, is, you know what? Saturday really didn't matter oh, for Georgia because Georgia, Georgia needs to win the final two games to become the national champion. They knew they were going to the college football playoff. Alabama was the one that needed to win three straight. They had the pressure on them. Saturday really didn't matter. Um, yes, we would have liked to have won the SEC championship, but ultimately everything remains right there in front of them. If they go 14-1 and one and win the, win the championship, all is forgotten with what happened this past Saturday night when Alabama blew the doors off of Georgia after the Bulldogs led 10-0. Um, I'm, I'm listening to this on a podcast that was circulated on Twitter, and I'm thinking... They're, they're saying this to fans, Chad, we were there, that paid nearly 1000 to $2,000 for a ticket to watch Georgia play. And 48 hours later, the message is, you know what? It, the game really didn't matter. It's This is uh, whatever process of grieving that you're in <laughs> when, you, when you rationalize. I mean, this is I, acceptance? It's, it's, under, it's, it's not even acceptance. It's, you're rationalizing. And it's understandable because they can't do anything about it now. They got their ass kicked by Alabama in the right. SEC championship. Leading up to kickoff, every Georgia fan that we encountered in Atlanta outside Mercedes-Benz Stadium, any Georgia fan that anyone out there knows, any Georgia fan watching or listening to this right now would have told you the goal is very simple. We are the best team in college football by far. We want to get Nick Saban off of our back win an SEC title, win a national championship, and beat whoever you have to in the process in the playoff to do so. The SEC championship part didn't happen. There's one thing left, the biggest trophy of them all, the national title. So this is, we're not even to the acceptance phase of grieving yet. This is rationalizing that loss and eventually getting to acceptance while also accepting, which they're right to say, none of this will matter as much if you go and win the national title and beat Alabama in a game that matters even more. They, they went on to say 15-0 is hard, and we all knew that. If they go 14-1, and it's, it's all good. We're going to win the title. Uh, but it's not well, as good. No. I mean, no, there's no, there's no hey, planet wanted, where it's as good. We wanted 15-0, an SEC title, and uh, a national title. It's okay to say that. And they say, well, we came up short of that, but we'll take a national title. The five stages of grief, Paul, and you tell me which stage they're in currently. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, or acceptance. No, they're bargaining. <laughs> bargaining, that's the one. Yeah, Not so rationalization. So we haven't bargaining. even reached depression yet. Oh, no, depression hit shortly after the game ended. Uh, really hit in the third quarter. 
of that game from what I saw from Georgia fans. Yeah, they're, they're definitely bargaining, and that's fine. Look, they're not wrong. If you win the national title, you're not doing any thinking about not having won the SEC or having lost that first game to Alabama um, at all, right? Uh, I mean, you don't have to win the SEC title in order to win. Uh, this isn't like, you know, you need the Eastern Conference Finals or the AL uh, oh. title in order to win the World Series. And how about this from one of the beat writers for Oregon at the Oregonian? Uh, he tweets out and says, Oregon this. has not offered nor has the job been accepted by Dan Lanning or anyone else. Georgia defensive coordinator is a candidate. He is not hired, at least not yet. Details on this and more coming up in the final hour, plus Brent Hobbs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com on OutKick 360.